Hello, everybody, and welcome to As the Pen Turns, Q&A day number three, Q&A day number three. I am one of the hosts of the As the Pen Turns podcast. Here with me are my other two, I guess, semi-intrepid, intrepid-ish, intrepid-ish co-hosts. <laughs> they, they are as follows. Jason with Jason Neal Penworks. <gasps> And I'm Jonathan with Carolina Pen Company. Welcome back, Jason. Yo, yo. I'm here. Uh, I'm you're here. here. You're here. Um, My semi-annual <laughs> appearance. Semi-annual. <laughs> You've had somewhat um, of a good excuse. Yeah, since we, we did make a post about it finally. But I've got a little one now. And as those of you out there who have little ones know, they take up a lot of your time. Yeah. If, and when if I say not, a lot, if not all, I mean all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If not all of your time, um, yeah. So, uh, in our line of recent episodes, we have. So Jonathan emailed a PDF file of all the questions <laughs> that we received. There's like eleven pages, so we're whittling away, if you will. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're. <laughs> He's keeping us in business the, for the next like six months. Right, right. <laughs> We're planning on interview episodes, but it may be June before we get <laughs> to that again. We don't know. Yeah. Um, not a whole lot to catch up on before we get into the questions from my shop. I've just been too busy to get up there. I've I've done a couple of things here. I've got some that I got roughed out, gotta get them finished up, and I should hope hopefully I'll have some on the website, maybe end of the month-ish. We'll see. Other than that. Nothing really new out of out of out of Georgia. Mine's mostly been casting because I haven't had time to turn anything. <laughs> and then of all things, last night I was throwing something in the pot. I had a little bit of time. I was going to actually start turning. And um, Brooks, I don't know if you've ever used them, but I can't even remember the company. They make these silicone stoppers for the bottles for the jugs. Yeah. And so I've I've been using those because then the, the caps don't get stuck on the top. And uh, so I was putting one that one back in with my thumb like this, <laughs> and it just like hyperextended or something. Oh no! The whole thing swelled up. I couldn't move my thumb at all last night, and I was like, "Well, there goes my turning time." Wow, That's I keep so good. I keep telling Shay one of these days my thumb is just going to snap off from, <laughs> and, and and it's from the uh, the opening and closing of all the pressure pots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I lock them down pretty snug by hand, and it's that that yep. that last little torque closed, and then when you cut them pull, I'm just I'm pushing on that thumb so many times. I just I keep waiting for it to snap <laughs> right at the base. Well, I thought I'd broken it last night, but yeah, I can yeah. still move it. Thankfully, uh, as far as me and my shop, what I've been up to, uh, just getting show stuff. Uh, prepped and ready for LA and come coming up in the middle of February and then Baltimore at the end of February. Like there's, I have a seven to eight day gap between LA and Baltimore shows. Have fun <laughs> with that. <laughs> that and is then, all you, man. And then from, so I'm having to make sure I've got inventory <laughs> for both shows ready to go at least you know, obviously you have to have stuff finished for LA and then 
everything else can at least be roughed out and just need sanding. And I can spend that week between LA and Baltimore for sanding. Right. And then I've got three weeks after that for Atlanta. And then there's another show every three weeks, all the way to the end of August. So, yeah. You are a busy boy. I'm a busy boy. (laughs) Better you than me. I mean, but then again, (laughs) but then again, you're more successful than I am. (laughs) Well, as, as one of the questions we're going to be getting into is, you know, being able to do this full-time versus uh, part-time full-time. <laughs> right. On that or note. Part, or part-time, part-time as, as I'm doing it. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're learning there's more hours in the day that you didn't know existed. Oh, goodness. She's <laughs> finally sleeping. We'll put her down like, put her to bed like it. Oh gosh, I don't even know the hours don't even matter anymore. <laughs> nope. Um <laughs> like around nine thirty or so. And then she'll sleep till about three or four. That's not bad. Something like that. But then like last night she slept during the day and then we wanted to all watch a movie last night and then she didn't go to bed till like eleven and then it was like every two hours she's up because she's bored. It's like, oh man. <laughs> It doesn't get any different. I hate to tell you. Nope. <laughs> I got lucky with uh, with Aiden from about two weeks old. She slept from eight at night to eight in the morning, like clockwork, Man. every single night. <laughs> we got so lucky. We got so yes, lucky. Yes, you did. <laughs> well, when we first brought her home, my wife and I took shifts because she would not sleep unless you were holding her. And of course, mm. they tell you, oh, you can't sleep and have her in the bed. You can't put her in a swing. You know, you can't, like, it's all the stuff you can't do. And you're like, but how do I survive? <laughs> so we would take like four hour shifts and you just sit there watching you know, YouTube or Instagram, trying to stay awake. And then, okay, we shift and I'd sleep for four hours. And, you know, for like four weeks, we did that. It's like, man, I thought all nighters were done. You just go back to the hospital and says, stop telling people how to raise their kids. You just do your thing. As long as, I mean, as long as they're healthy and not injured, you're fine. Yeah. Figure that exactly. out on the second one, right? You you get to the second one and then you're like, this isn't necessary. What is this? <laughs> you know, um, but we have a rule in our house with, with my youngest that um, the most recent rule we made was like, don't wake me up before eight o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> I made a deal with her. I said, you can, you could come out, turn the TV on, do what you want to do. Just don't wake me up before eight o'clock on the weekend, you know? <laughs> <clears throat> and so, and, and sometimes it'll be eight fifteen, and that's even nicer. You know, sometimes it'll be eight thirty because <laughs> we like to go to, uh, one of the two days of the weekend when she's here, we will go to one of the chain fast food restaurants with these giant yellow <laughs> um, uh, bent lines on the sign and uh, have some breakfast. We'll stop and get, you know, a couple of biscuits. We'll drive down to the park here in Milner and just sit and eat breakfast. And uh, those days, you know, we got to get there by 1030 on the week. You know, you don't get breakfast. But uh, was it a couple of weeks ago when she was here? She just didn't get out of bed until like 11. <laughs> that that happened here recently. And that's I'm like, like going up there. I'm like, are you good? You start worrying. You're like, I haven't heard from her 
should I go, should I go check on her? You know, but you know, Hey, they're resilient. Thank goodness. They're of the age of being a little bit more self-sufficient than. Yeah. Than we give them credit for. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yep. I just can't wait until she's like fully trained in a culinary fashion and everything. And she just gets up and makes her own food and all of that good stuff. So there We're you are working go. on it. One of Aiden's big things this year or at Christmas time, she was asking for a lot of baking and cooking uh, utensils and gear. Oh, nice. And oh, that's cool. Wants to get into, you know, uh, competitive baking and things like this. I'm like, <laughs> let's, let's work on not killing ourselves with the stand mixer first. And then hey, we'll, good point. Yeah. We'll, we'll move up to, you know, chop <laughs> kids or whatever. <laughs> wow. Have you, have you taught her the, the rule that we use in the shop? Like all our shop tools are constantly <laughs> trying to murder us. You got to think yes. about that, about kitchen tools as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, awesome. Good to hear we're we're doing well. Right. Um or, I mean the look on your face, I don't know if you're doing well or not. You know, it seems like we're all doing well. No, I'm good. Uh Shay just happened to get home and all the dogs are going <laughs> oh, okay. absolutely bananas. <laughs> well, let's do this. Let's jump into a question then. <laughs> I want to take the first one. Go for it. I'm gonna take the first one. Uh this one comes from Kevin Zog via Instagram. That makes it sound more official if you give the name and then say via Instagram. Yeah, I just realized I don't know any of the names of the people or, in the questions or I took. via email. Um, how do you eyedropper? It, it, the question just said, "How do you eyedropper a pen?" And um, and I know what you know. We know what that what they're meaning by that. And it was more um, about how do we manufacture? Is it something we can put into the manufacturing process, or is it always an aftermarket kind of deal? Here's my thoughts on it. If I make a pin where the threads are good enough on it, I dropper the crap out of it. Um, <laughs> what you really have to think about there is um, like solid body pins that don't have any other threads in them except for the section threading into it. Uh, if the thread tolerances, meaning, you know, how well they fit together, uh, if the thread tolerances are good on them, smear a little silicone grease on it you know, as a, as a backup and, uh, and just give it hell, uh, fill it with ink. But <laughs> here's my suggestion. If you want to try to eyedropper a, a pen that is not specifically manufactured, I made one a while back. I put an O-ring on the section and specifically made it, you know, the person said, Hey, I want to eyedropper this thing all the time. So I put an O-ring on it and sent a couple more O-rings with it. If you don't do that and you don't get one that's specifically made to be an eyedropper fill pin, fill it with water, mm -hmm. put the section and the nib in it, and then sit it, let it sit with the cap off of it on a paper towel for a few days. I'd say give it a week tots and see if it'll leak. And if it doesn't leak, go for it. That's yeah, my thoughts. I'm not too far off. Uh, I do one additional step if I know it's going to be eyedroppered, and that's I'll take one of those micro drill bits, and I'll drill um, the the very base of the housing yeah, for the nib, just a teeny tiny, take the feed and nib out, and then just by hand, uh, you're basically just poking a small hole in the base of the nib 
or the base of the nib housing. And that's purely just to help regulate the air in the pen. Yeah. Please take the feed out of it. We don't need any more Yovo problems. Uh, <laughs> right. We've already had it. And then kind of chamfer all your internal uh, openings. So on the very bottom hole of your section where the ink will have to uh, pour into, you're, you're going to want to give that, uh, you don't want that 90 degree uh, angle to it. Give it a good chamfer, 60 degrees or whatever. And that'll just help break surface tension and allow the ink to f- to flow into the bottom right. of the section because otherwise uh you unless you give it a little bit of force or you tilt it you know nib down and give a little shake uh if you don't have if you've got a flat uh into the section you're gonna create it's gonna have surface tension and then it's gonna create a more difficult time for the nib for the ink so it's a chamfer the on the internal diameter of this section tenon is what you're talking about, right? Yeah. So where your converter would slide up inside the section, right. that opening, give it a little chamfer. And that's just to help the ink flow into it. Right. Because if you've if you ever seen water coming off of a rooftop, mm-hmm. it'll the 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 fascia board will grab it and pull it under the rooftop with that 90 degree angle. Right. Yeah. So you that's you a good cre- tip. Yeah, you can create um, basically a uh, a stopper almost with it. So this just helps alleviate that little issue. Uh, and then let me think. Uh, just triple check your nib housing on final installation. Yep. Maybe put a little silicone grease around the housing itself as well as the, the, you know, like the threads of the housing into the section and the section threads, a little bit of silicone grease would never hurt with that. And just make sure you don't have too loose of a tolerance for the nib unit in the section. Yeah. Because you don't want right. ink sloshing around and out that way. And you can all, you can do the same water test Brad mentioned with all of this. Jason? The- that's a good segue into my technique, which is um, I make it more complicated. Yeah, of course you do. But uh, I use <laughs> um, O-rings. You can use silicone, I think mine are neoprene, I think. So the way mine are designed, which have like a little reservoir inside of it that screws in. Um, it sandwiches the O-ring between the section and the reservoir, so that seals it off. And then I've got an O-ring on the little nipple of the the uh, housing in the section. So I drill my sections a little bit differently for the eyedropper versions. And that keeps it all sealed up. But definitely, like Brooke said, keep the hole drilled in the back of the housing. Because otherwise, it's not going to prime itself. And you're going to be sitting there with a dry nib. Yeah. <laughs> but Nobody enjoys that. No. But that, that's what I do. So O-rings are your friend if you want to go that way and make it a little more complicated. But otherwise, I've had a lot of people that'll just use a silicone grease on my pens and then you're fine. Oh, yeah. I've done it with several of the maker pens that I have. I'm just, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you have to use a little bit more depending upon. And it, it all depends on how we all 
make our sections too. Cause some, some people don't do like, I like about a 75% thread on mine. Some people do a 50% thread. Some people do a little bit less or a little bit more. And you know, the threads, the two, so they're two triangle shapes that are lacing in amongst each other. Right. So the higher, the higher, the, the, the upper, the leading angle of the triangle is the more likely they are to seat in the valleys between the threads and the lower percentage threads pulls those valleys out a little bit to where they don't seat as much. And that's where you're going to get a leak. There's love advanced, when you get all technical on some, ad, some advanced <laughs> BS for you right there, man. <laughs> it's funny that the most basic type of filling a, a most basic way to fill a pin can be the most complicated. For real. <laughs> that, that was my question. I'm done with that one. Next. Done with that one, huh? You or me? Do you want to go next, Jason? I will go for it. Get your feet wet. <laughs> I know. I got to get back into this little podcast thing. Remember how it's working. <laughs> All right. This one comes from Kevin Zog. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, what are some personal milestones you've set or achieved or want to achieve? Um, doing pen making, I guess, would be the framework. So for me, you know, early on, a big one was, you know, let it pay for itself. So I'm glad I hit that one eventually, but where I'm not having to put money into it all the time, my own money, I guess, that the business is running it. Um, so that's a big one. And then a big milestone was to never start casting. And I broke that one. <laughs> yeah. Good job there. Yeah. <laughs> I failed. <laughs> um, you failed spectacularly. Exactly. <laughs> if you're going to go like down, I needed go down in flames, an... man. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd say for future goals, the two big ones are to hopefully, eventually, finally, someday get a metal lathe. Um, hadn't happened yet, but hopefully at some point. And then uh, I've got some ideas and stuff for making clips that I eventually want to do. So those are the two big things that um, if I ever get there, that'd be great. But I'm pretty happy with where I'm at right now. Cool. And then adding the um, finial coins, which someone generously, <laughs> Brooks, <laughs> helped me out on. But they, came out, they came out nice. They were excellent. I put the first one in, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. It was perfect. So thank you, sir. Yeah. I got a couple from him and they were broke. <laughs> well, you, you got them before I made the new jig uh, for the uh, laser. So the the new jig, I was explaining it to somebody recently. I can't remember who. I basically bought little plaques of aluminum mapped out where the, the because th- there's six, six by one threaded holes Mm-hmm. Throughout the entire, so you can lock down stuff. Mm-hmm. So I mapped out. So I, I did a little cheat. I, I uh, put down a couple layers of masking tape, took a pencil, and I just found where the mounting holes are, marked them out, laid the masking tape on the pieces of aluminum that I bought, 
and then took them over to my dad's house because he has a uh, like a, a legit standing drill press. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. went over there, drilled out, and uh, um, drilled out those holes. Took them back home, mounted down the plaque on the bed. Oh wow! And then turned the laser on, and then I laser etched a crosshair dead center. Oh wow! Of the editing software because <laughs> it's, it's got a it's because there's there's just a one touch button on the software. You click that button and it moves the dot for the laser dead center of the marking bed. Hmm. Oh, so I, I just made sure I mounted that plaque with the, you know inside of that range. Drew a a circle and a crosshair, centered all of it, lasered it in. So then then I had the dead center of where anything would Mm -hmm. need to be marked out for engravings. So instead of me having to play with, Oh, the coordinates, you know, negative 10.25 millimeters for for each axis kind of deal. I just got to hit the center button for any image and it should laser center of the piece. So then I had to go back on the drill press and using a, uh, counter bore. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, countersink end mill bit um, created a little spot for these half inch discs that pop huh. into. So That's before, cool. er, so when I first did them, the original jig I used a like a, a milling end mill, mm-hmm. and just went straight down like a, with with it in the drill press, and it it wobbled a little bit. And so the discs, when you put them in there, you, you know. The little wiggle around the side that hold mm-hmm. it. Now that I've learned from my mistakes, I mean, I've actually got to click the medallions in place inside the jig. Wow! So they don't move. That That's cool. Because with specifically like Jason's image, I'm engraving a circle on a circle. Mm-hmm. And you definitely tell if that's off. <laughs> it's so easy to tell if it's, you know, high, low, left, right. So now it's within a, an acceptable tolerance of the. Naked oh, yeah, eye, they look the, perfect. The naked eye test wins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've been playing around with other designs and now I can do a little bit more detail accuracy. Mm-hmm. Also with the laser. So what are your. Uh, goals so, and, and what 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 goals are we talking about again, Jason? Well, it's anything open ended. So personal oh. milestones, and you know, personal within. I think. What are your personal goals with what you're doing? Oh, okay, Jonathan. What are you hoping to get out of all this nonsense? Exactly. Uh, well, I just mentioned one of them. I'm getting more accurate with the laser because <laughs> that was driving me absolutely insane. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, getting more efficient with the CNC um, as far as figuring out the right batch size for to optimize the range of models that I have when mm-hmm. it comes to, you know, especially show inventory. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to dial that into, okay, 
is it 10 pins, 15 pins, 25, 30 pins per model? You know, because like I mentioned, I have two, three weeks in between every show. What can I realistically make in that time frame mm-hmm. where I'm not right. driving myself into the ground trying to make things happen? So that's one goal is to optimize my efficiency. And I think I'm, I'm starting to get there. Um, I want to do a better job with the admin side of the business. So commissions, emails, communications, things like that. Cause I'm more of a, I'd rather go get the job done than talk about go getting the job done. Right. Yeah. So that, that's more of my approach to things, but I still need to talk to people about getting their job done. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I, I, I have a hard time transitioning to that. Um, so on the professional side, that's, that's pretty much that keeping, you know, keeping the sales and the numbers where they are, if not improving, I'd be more than happy. Uh, cause this is a full-time gig for me. Right. So I want to keep it that way. I'm not looking to get a corporate job or an, a real, a real job anytime soon. I like, I like being a, a lot of the freedoms that I have. Yeah, they're not as fun as people make them out to be. No, and I've quickly learned as I'm getting older, my filter is just non-existent. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I would last long in a corporate setting, unless I'm the boss, and I, I already know I, I, I would not make a good boss because I'm one of those. Yeah. No, I asked you to do it like this. Why didn't you do it like? This? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I get that a hundred percent. So a hundred percent. And Brad, what are your goals? Oh man. I mean, I know one of them. I don't know what that was. I don't know. <laughs> um, Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, one of, <laughs> one of the business goals is to add a new product line that I'm going to be working on hopefully in the next few months to the business. Uh, that'll be some cool news. Hopefully when that, when that happens, um, I, and, and this kind of sounds weird. Um, I want to make a thousand dollar pin. It's not weird. No, Um, not at all. I want to find something and make it just, just like a one-off show what I can do, you know, kind of show off my talents as a maker and, uh, it's kind of a, you know, how do you sell a two hundred dollar pin? You make a thousand dollar pin. That's you, that, you know, that's the way it works. Um, I want to make one that is that's that's nice enough and adorned enough, or whatever you want to call it. You know, that's just one of my goals. Um, I achieved one of the goals I've always had recently. I put it on my Instagram. Um, got an article in the Fountain Pen Journal. That was kind of cool. Congratulations. Uh, that's really yeah. cool, man. So so that's a milestone that that has been achieved. I did not expect that. This started as I met <laughs> um Rich Lappin in Atlanta and I donated a pin to sponsor the club as a giveaway. Uh the Southeast Pin Club or Southeast right. Pin Society, I think is what it is. So he was gonna do an interview with me and put it out of their newsletter. I'm like, awesome, dude. You know, hometown newsletter. That's cool. And then he said, Hey, this guy wants to put it in a magazine. And I was like, <laughs> that's cool. Let's do it to it. Um, he sent me a couple of copies of it and I'm really, uh, it, it's a big thanks to rich for, for being the kind of the, 
the leading force behind that happening. Um, so, you know, and I, and my other goal for my business is to still be a business this time next year. I mean, that's always, that's, that's always important. Um, yeah. you know, well, it's kind of difficult in, in times where, you know, sales, sales kind of go down for a little while and, mm-hmm. and, you know, this and that the economy, you know, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. And as makers, especially not full-time makers, uh, having jobs and having uh, all this other stuff that goes into it, it makes it a little bit harder to set aside time to get in the shop and do things. It makes it harder to find some motivation sometimes and all of that. Um, and I went in the shop a couple of weeks ago and I, you know, roughed out a, a few pins and, and I was like, yeah, I'm feeling great about this, you know, and it's kind of that re-inspiring. You need that every once in a while. You need that, that motivation. So yeah, I hope to be a company this time next year. That's, that's, you know, one of, one of my goals is to be a thorn in the side of, of the, <laughs> of the, of the pen world for as long as I can stand it <laughs> or as long as that is anybody else can stand it, I guess is probably better, <laughs> but yeah, one goal achieved. And, and, you know, I, one of the cool things that I've seen happen since I started in this is the, the way the community has changed, the way the community has grown since at least I got into it. It's another goal is to, is to help out any way we can. And this is kind of a podcast goal for me uh, to keep helping out the community and keep trying to reach out and provide information and provide guidance and provide a sounding board and provide as much, you know, as a resource as we can uh, to the other makers out there and connect makers with makers to get answers for things. Right. I don't know mm-hmm. much about, about wooden pens. So I could say, Hey, I'll put you in touch with Casey or I'll put you in touch with, with Ryan, or I'll put you in, in touch with somebody who does, who knows about wooden pens more than I do. You know, those are the kind of <laughs> things that, I want to, I want to see us continue to be a resource for the pen community. Um, and that's Definitely. a great time to talk about what we did about a week ago. We had in, I, I, at the beginning of the show, but that's a great time to talk about, um, our secret <laughs> Santa gathering that we had. That was and I'll just, I'll just jump in with this one in, in the middle here. We had a record participation this year. We had 42 or 44 participants. Wow. Um, I think last year we were just over 30. So we found a a lot of people that we didn't know before, you know, uh, joined in this year. And Uh, we also had people who did it last year, but weren't able to do it this year. So if, if everybody that participated last year participated again this year, in addition to the new people, we would have had probably 60, almost 60 people. Holy cow. So we had our Zoom wow. gathering. Um, I got a screenshot I'll put on the website soon. Um, we'll put it on Instagram soon. I think we had about 22 or 23 people show up to the Zoom call throughout the period of time we were on there. We had to do it when we had to do it. And unfortunately, we can't match everybody's schedules and international time changes and all of that kind of stuff. But uh, the, the pins we're seeing that are that were being made and, and shown on the Zoom, outstanding. And the stuff we're seeing that had been uploaded to Instagram – the hashtag is ATPT for Santa 2023. Uh, we asked everybody to tag that if they posted it. So if you want to check out that hashtag, you can see the gallery of of pins that were made for it. And I think we had a pretty good time. Um, I know I did. <laughs> yeah. Talking with all the makers and um, giving Jim a bunch of crap while we were on there. That was fun. <laughs> uh, we, we love you, Jim. Um, that's why we give you so much crap. 
Exactly. Uh, so, yeah. So I just wanted to plug that real quick. Um, and big thanks to my better half for helping that go smoothly this year and putting in some, putting in some time, uh, to, to help that process go, go better than it could have had I been <laughs> left to my own devices. Definitely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so Jonathan, I think, I think, is it your turn now? Yeah, it's my turn and I'm going to go with the trifecta and Oh Lord, this question is also going to be from, Kevin Zog. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you take the shotgun approach to sending questions in. <laughs> yeah, we definitely had a lot to choose from. A lot of good questions. Uh, not just from Kevin, but from everybody. Uh, this one is, it was a little bit more tuned directly to me, but it's still something that I think we can all weigh in on. And it's, does making full-time take some of the joy out of the making process because of the pressure to produce, earn, sell, market, etc. And I mean, just like with every job, even if you love it, it's still work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, yeah, to a degree, it does take some of the fun out of it because not so much you don't enjoy what you're doing. It's more you can get stuck in a rut of doing the same thing for a long period of time and not be allowed the freedom to explore some new ideas and new methods and take, mm-hmm. um, I'm kind of in a, that situation. Currently I've been making the same models from a lot of the same resins for quite a while now. And I'm really wanting to play around with some new recipe ideas for resins um, I have a couple new models. Well, not new models, but kind of redoing older models, the Georgetown, uh-huh. the Ash, the Asheville and doing programming those on the CNC, which programming isn't extremely difficult, but you, you go through a lot of material fine tuning things because you, Oh Yeah. You you can't just run one cap, one body, one section. You've got to run a handful of each to nail down the processes. And then, then you've got to try to fit it, you know, literally thread all the pieces together and see how everything fits. And if it doesn't, then you have to make adjustments and start over or mm. start from, you know, step five versus step one. But it's still... You know, it is like I said, it is work. There's definitely pressure to produce and sell. because uh, I mean this has been my full time job for several years. And I've had, you know, a monicum of success. Um, it's allowed my wife to leave her corporate nine to five and pursue uh working from home, uh following a passion of of theirs. So this has allowed us to chase dreams. So I'm, I'm I'm definitely not going to put a negative connotation to any of it because it's it's <laughs> it's allowed so much for me and my family, um, and everybody but, in the family enjoys the process. But you can say sometimes it sucks. I mean, <laughs> you can yeah. say that. I mean, I I, I am working twelve hour shifts all the time mm-hmm. like like a uh like right now with school starting back up 
I'm up at 6 a.m. I take Aiden to school. I'm back home by 8, 8.30, cram down breakfast, and I'm working till about 4 in the afternoon when Aiden gets home because we, we work it out. I take Aiden to school, and my wife picks her up generally. It's a 45-minute drive one way to the school and back. Mm-hmm. So we have to break it up between the two of us. You know, they'll get home around 4, 4.30, depending. At that point, I'll take a break, go inside, make dinner, hang out with, you know, the family for a little bit till around 6.37. Come back out for a couple hours till bedtime, go inside, tuck in in bed, and then I'm back out. Um, and it's it's a flow that we're all used to, so there's not a lot of, you know, hiccups along the way. It's a pretty, you know smooth running operation but yeah i i lose out on a little bit of quality time here and there but it's still worth it uh it's a good sacrifice to make because it allows me to take a whole day off and not have to worry about making up for it down the road oh yeah yeah so if 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 the only thing that i would see or one thing that I would see as a part-time, full-time, part-time maker <laughs> would be that if I come home from work, I can say, I don't feel like going to the shop today. You know what I yeah. mean? And it's more difficult for you being the full-time maker to to have that kind of, I really don't want to go do this. So I'm just going to sit on my butt for a little while. I am not a good self-motivator. And so I really, <laughs> I really struggle with the get your butt up and go get, go get something done. I do struggle with that. Yeah. It could be, you just, you can't do it as much when it's your, it's your bread and butter kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, it's like a joke around with, uh, uh, with my wife, my Shay does not cook. It, it, the, the joke of the house is if I don't cook, we don't eat. <laughs> so I, I, I have that same mentality with work. If I don't work, we don't eat. <laughs> no, that's true. So I, and at that, and I take things way more serious um, when it comes to, you know, if I mess up on something, uh, whether it's a, you know, a resin pour or, uh, the finishing of a pen, something like that. I, I'm very serious in making sure I, I minimize any mistakes or maximizing the usefulness of the mistake. So if I accidentally mess up on a recipe and I'm and the blanks, I know are not uh, sellable to the, to the open market. I use that as cannon fodder when testing out programs. Mm. Oh, Yeah. So it's a, I mean, it's a way to put value back into something that you can't get much value out of. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise it'd be, you know, completely worthless to me, but at least this way it has some value, maybe not monetarily, but right. In terms of sacrificial, like, is it cannon fodder? I like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, <laughs> Hey, it's appropriate. It's appropriate. <laughs> it is definitely appropriate. How about you, Jason? Um, <laughs> since you're you just had a, and, you, I mean, you just had a, I mean, you just had a kid, right? I mean, there's no pressure in you at all. <laughs> well, not for pen making. <laughs> My day job, there's enough pressure. Yeah, 
Um, I'm definitely like, um, I guess I'm more, I, I don't like to be hampered or not hampered. I guess tied down to having to do certain things when I go to the shop. Like if I've got projects I'm working on, sometimes I'll come up with a new project and then go on to work on that instead of what I maybe have to do or should be doing. Um, right. So I think that would be a hard thing if if I was doing it full time. That's the nine, you know, the nine to nine or the five to nine, whatever you want to call it. Um, (laughs) You know, there's that tug for me to want to go, oh, I had this cool idea last night. I'm going to go try it out or I can do everything I need to and and, bring home the bacon. Yeah. Um, I think that would be the hardest thing for me. And plus, I don't like doing like large batches of things anymore. You know, my one pin show I got ready for Arkansas last year, I was like, oh my gosh, if I have to make another like huge group of pens, I'm just going to go nuts. It's a, it's a whole other mentality. Yep. That that's for certain. Well, and the problem I've discovered recently, especially with casting now is I'll, I'll do a mix and I'll go turn it down. Oh, that looks really cool. And then in my brain, I'm like, oh, I'm done. I'm going to go try something else. I'm like, well, you didn't finish the pin. It's like all these pens lined up because I'm like, oh, that looks really pretty, but I want to see what this looks like, or I have this idea now. And so they just sit there and you get, you know, for me, 12, 14, 15 pens, and you're like, oh, no, I got to finish all these things. Yeah. Um, So I don't know that I would survive very well if I was doing it full time. I like to think I would, you know, because I'd much rather do that than my day job. But yeah, there's a lot of, so for me, it's a lot of isolation. Because mm-hmm. I, I, it's just me in here now. So I, I'm, if it doesn't get done, I'm, I'm the only one to blame. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those. The real work is when you actually leave and go to a show. But to me, that's vacation. Like that. <laughs> right. That's that's the easy part yeah. for me is going to the show because I can I get to let it all out i can, mm-hmm. I can that's when mm-hmm. i'm actually blowing off steam and i'm just sitting there having a good time communicating with you know customers other makers and you know making new friends and new connections and such to where to me that's not work anymore that's mm-hmm. just that's just the fun of it all and all the it just it makes the you know two three weeks worth of 12 hour plus shifts worth it mm-hmm. right Especially if it's successful. Thankfully, I've been lucky enough to. I have yet to have where's wood knock on wood. I have yet to have a poor a poor pin show. Um, and I mean, who knows what the possible what this year is going to hold for anybody? So I'm really, really excited and nervous for the LA show uh, mid mid February. So it's just one of those, you know see how the first one goes and just keep going plug right. away uh find find what's working and keep doing that <laughs> right you know and even excuse me even at even the part-time guys if you have set your business up in certain ways there's still a lot of pressure because the things that you have to pay for are not part-time bills yeah so like websites and if you use accounting software or um the if you set up an llc there's yearly costs that are associated with that 
And if you don't sell enough pens to pay for those yearly costs or keep enough money around to pay for those yearly costs, that can become a burden. Um, you know, and if you were, I don't want to say dumb like me or uneducated like I was when you started your business, there were, there are things that you end up paying for that you realize I don't have to pay for that. And <laughs> getting to a point yeah. where you can stop paying for that is difficult at a certain point. Yeah. Um, and you know, like anybody who runs an LLC should know about registered, registered agents that you have to have and stuff like that. And in Georgia, we have to have a registered agent, somebody who is available that they can send paperwork to official business paperwork to, and you have to pay for that here. And it's like 200 something dollars a year. Mm. Now there are, and it always comes up and I always forget about it. You know, and I am like, why did my, Oh my God, I just paid that, you know, but there are workarounds and I'm trying to figure out some workarounds that don't cost anything at this point. But even for the part-time folks out there, if they're not selling a ton of pins and keeping a good balance of, you know, cash around, depending upon what you've signed up for and depending upon what you've done with your business, it can, there could be a lot of pressure there too, monetarily. Oh yeah. Um, it's easy for what you think your overhead is going to your projected overhead, you know, the, you know, let's just say a hundred, you know, I'm thinking nibs more than anything. Right. Because that's something we all have to buy. You know, say if you don't do shows and you're, you know, you're just in this for the, you know, the I won't say the fun of it, but it's not a focal point as far as a financial gain. You know, you might buy a hundred nibs to, to be able to get that bulk discount rate. But say you want to do a show. And all of a yeah. sudden you need to buy another hundred nibs. Well, that's, you know, that's what $900 to a thousand dollars that you weren't expecting mm-hmm. to, to put out that you right. might not have already recouped in sales. And it's just one of those, some, I mean, you can get ticky tacked with uh, hits, financial hits. And before you know it, you're upside down and over your head and then hmm. really got to, yeah fight your way out of it and i don't think that a lot of the part-time folks realize as much of a gamble as it can be even just being a small part-time when you can do it kind of business oh yeah i mean good info though oh yeah i mean well uh, i think with with people like that you have to pace yourself yeah because it's easy to compare you know what each maker is doing and you don't know if they're really doing it full-time and that is their gig, or this is part time, or just for fun, or they've got you know all this extra money from their main business that they own, they can dump into it, and they don't care. So you really have to look at your own situation and pace yourself. That okay, yeah, everyone's buying a hundred nibs, but I can only buy twenty. So then that's what you work with. Yeah, you know. Yeah, or you find somebody that. Well, never mind. I'm not gonna say because no, don't say that out loud. Yeah, don't say that out loud. They're, uh, yeah, so, yeah, like, exactly. Just what Jason said. (laughs) Let's just leave it there. Yeah. (laughs) Next question. Next question. (laughs) Yeah, Jason. Moving on, moving on. (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's see. Another one from Kevin. Thank you, sir. Keeping us in business. Um, Do you keep duplicate tools around and why? 
Is it just for extras in case they break to be more efficient? I think you know, short answer is yes, we all need duplicate tools. I, um, but yes. for myself, I would say it's probably more for efficiency than if something breaks. I probably should have stuff in a drawer in case something breaks, but it, um, the biggest one I can think is on my tool holders for taps and dies. I've got one for each, so I'm not changing stuff out. Um, I've got three different chucks because the most processes I have are three for any given part of the process. So then I don't have to, if I'm doing a couple of pins at once, I'm not having to change out bits, um, put it in the chuck. I can just grab the chuck, throw it in the tailstock and keep going. Um, so mine's definitely efficiency. Um, I do, <laughs> I bought a bunch of drill bits last year to replace my drill bits. Because I've used the same ones for probably ooh, three years, four years, probably. <laughs> and I'm, sc- I'm I'm scared to uh, use the new ones because what if they're slightly different size, <laughs> depending on how they were made? Or I'm the same with my carbide bits or my uh, cutters. Like I, I'll sharpen them or try to sharpen them myself rather than using the new ones I have in the drawer because I'm like, yeah, but it cuts different. And you got to be more right. careful. Right. Put a brand new carbide on there like and you're destroying to. your pen. <laughs> yeah. It cuts <laughs> it, like it's it supposed to. It's like it was intended to. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that would be me mostly for efficiency, not really for, um, you know, rainy day. Oops. I broke the one tool I have and I can't do anything now. Well, I, I'm a tool whore. <laughs> um, I, if if I'm going to order a uh, if I need a nine millimeter bit or a nine meter millimeter drill, I'm going to order ten of them at a time because you know <clears throat> it. I don't want to have to wait for a replacement if I have a problem. That's one of my things. You know, I don't. And there's certain tools that are expensive that you only buy one of. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're looking at say a triple start tap and die set you're looking at 300 bucks easy low end for most of those you know or or a quad start triple start whatever you use those are expensive it's more difficult to have two or three of those sets just laying around just in case i'm still working my 13 by 0.08 triple start one i bought in 2019 i'm still using it you know and it still works um so uh i and i like the feeling of going in and seeing a whole organizer full of drills that are marked and I have them in like mm-hmm. 0.1 millimeter increments all the way from like one, all the way to nine or so. But I tell you this, and you're talking about efficiency and, and other things, it is convenient. So materials to get super hot when you drill them and there are drilling techniques that make stuff get super hot. And it's nice to be able to just grab three, nine millimeter drills. And once one gets hot, just switch it out. And That's you true. Know, instead of, instead of dealing with, uh, instead of dealing with that super hot molten drill bit, <laughs> um, you know, and, and when it's super cold in my shop, the material gets really hot. I'm sure it happens to a lot of people. You'll pull that bit out and it's just smoking. And it's nice to be able to just switch it out with another bit just to keep it cool and all of that stuff. Cause when you start working some of these vintage materials, uh, they don't like heat very much at all. No, no none of I them do. seized a drill bit into a piece of cellulose acetate tube stock 
had, oh, had wow, that happen before. Yeah, it that's another story for another another day. <laughs> um, but once you seize a bit into a piece of that, they're mated for life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they go in the trash or on your on your trophy rack. You know, as your yeah. you know, <laughs> your king screw up rack. Um, as far as things like carbide cutters and you know cutters for shaping, I keep a bunch of those around because you can tell when a bit when a cutter gets dull and there is and, and if you haven't done it yet there is a time period you do have to realize when you put a new carbide cutter on your hand tool for your wood lathe it's going to cut different than that dull piece of crap you were using <laughs> and don't cut all the way through your part <laughs> Just, <laughs> because you've been using you've been using your technique for an old cutter and then you put that new one on there I cut straight through the middle section of a section one time, the narrow part of a section, yep. not even thinking about it. And so, yeah, I, I like tools, man. I, I grew up, my dad was a tool guy and we had tools. So I just buy a bunch of tools. I, I have stuff I don't need probably. And it's ridiculous, but I, <laughs> I am me and I accept me for who I am. Jonathan. <laughs> Uh, let's, I'm probably a, a good mix of both some rainy day and some just because, <laughs> uh, like Sharpies is the one thing I have a dozen of. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're laying everywhere. Yeah. You, you shouldn't be able to, to, to take two steps without finding a Sharpie in my garage. Um, I would say everybody's shop should be that way. Yes, uh, scissors and little uh, those little dollar hobby and uh, a hobby levy harbor freight, uh, little box cutters. I've got those mm-hmm. like all over the place because <laughs> as soon as you need one, you can't find one, right? So I make sure that I have them everywhere. Uh, as far as the tooling and stuff like that goes, uh, I'm kind of like Brad. If I'm buying one drill bit, I'm buying five or more. Um, mostly because I have yet to find a decent sharpening system. But I did, I did buy a Tormot, not Tom, Tormek sharpening system hmm. a while back. I mostly got it for like kitchen knives and such, but they have drill bit attachments that I got. I just actually have to make space and, <laughs> and use it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I'm a hoarder of never open, never use tools. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do or, have, <laughs> or when I come up there, you're like, Hey, do you need one of these or whatever? Pretty much. Yeah. Did Did you ever get that sandblast cabinet or did I put it in storage? I think it's in storage. Okay. I, did, I don't think I had room for it. That's right. Yeah, because you couldn't. We couldn't close the back glass because <laughs> I was driving on a the back. It, yeah, <laughs> not gonna a hit the good glass. vehicle to drive <laughs> when you're possibly bringing home large stuff. Yeah, hey, yeah. If you come up here, you never know what you're going home with. Um, it's kind of like <laughs> hey, Oprah. I, I had a, I had a, I had a pen press laying around in a drawer for like a year and a half, and I, I actually used it. So hey, there you go. <laughs> Saved my bacon on that one. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, I'm like Jason. I have the little floating die holders. I have one for every size, and I have a spare one that you know hasn't doesn't have anything in it. But to top that all off, I actually also have 
duplicate dies for each one that's in a holder, just in case I need to chase it with the backside of the die. I never have to yeah. take them out. Mm-hmm. So I have duplicate taps and dies. Um, I have two. The, the only one that's really my, what I would call a rainy day is my Joe number six tap. Mm-hmm. I have two of those. And one is just. I know one day I'm I'm going to drop. A, <laughs> I know one day I'm going to drop it. It's going to crack. Right. It's going to break in half on the floor. And then, you know, what you going to do about it then? Like I said, having to wait for replacements. And, yeah, you know, like I said, with shows every three weeks coming up, I don't I can't afford to go down. No. So I make mm-hmm. sure I've got plenty of oil for the for the CNC. I've got plenty of coolant and. Uh, yes, actually yesterday I had to stop running for a couple hours and run into town because to make, to mix up my coolant, I have to use distilled water. Mm. And I thought I had, uh, several gallon jugs of it on a shelf. Turns out I don't anymore. (laughs) So I had to shut down for a couple hours, dash into town, buy a bunch of distilled water, bring it back and get that up and going again. Cause the coolant wasn't, I didn't have enough in the tank to make enough pressure to cycle mm, it through. Yeah. So that shut me down for a little bit. So now I just, I bought like 10 extra gallons. Now there's plenty on the shelf. You uh, know, it's one of those things that, like that everybody who knows me knows I'm a big fan of the show Shorzy. Um, if you haven't watched Shorzy, watch Shorzy. It's amazing. But <laughs> there's a saying that I have now brought into my personal bank of sayings. It's I'd rather be looking at it than looking for it. Yeah, and <laughs> that's true. As far as tools go, um, even Amazon takes a few days and yeah, I don't have a place around me where I can get a myriad of metric drills. Mm-hmm. I live in the country and it's imperial out here, you know, <laughs> freedom units, Yeah, freedom, freedom units. units. <laughs> um, so <laughs> Yeah. Um, speaking of tools, I got a grail tool this month, y'all, or last month, y'all. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. I think I sent I know y'all about a picture this. of it. The, yeah. the, the Mutatoyo caliper. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm scared to use it. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, do I take it out of the box? Because, you know, I'm going to have to put it on a bungee cord and, like, right. r- rivet it to the lathe. So, if I do drop it it never hits the floor <laughs> um but yeah and i can't wait i'm gonna i meant to post um i know i meant to post <laughs> something about it on, on i don't remember i don't think i did but i'm gonna post something on instagram about it because it's like it's like getting a lathe for the first time almost because it's like and and here's the thing it's like i have this caliper now and it's so awesome or i'm sorry a micrometer are my pins really that precise <laughs> they have to be now you know I mean, like, are they really going to be that precise um so yeah uh that's not one i see having three or four sitting around just in case no um but you know thank you to my better better half for that and <laughs> the santa's helper that helped with that as well <laughs> yeah the uh that's you actually maybe remember remember i have uh extra cheap calipers oh yeah your digital calipers i have the ones that are in use and then brand new ones in a, in a box on a shelf 
yep. when I drop them and they're no good anymore. <laughs> and you know, and and that's one of the things the Harbor Freight Pits I think was it the Pittsburgh tools. Yeah. That, those the ones I keep. Mm-hmm. I've got two or three sets of them up there and I actually bought a, a Harbor Freight um micrometer and it's worked well like I say my pins are not that precise. Um <laughs> but now I can measure down to just stupid levels. And it'd be accurate. And they're not going to get in the measurement. They're not going to get more precise. They're just going to be very well measured. I'll tell you that <laughs> I'll measure the crap out of them, but that's not yeah. going to make them any more precise. Mm. So fit your, you have to find your own tool um, path in life. Yes. You know, <laughs> be the hoarder or be the preparer or the, whatever you want to be with your tools. That's <laughs> yeah. It's a personal journey that we all have to take. <laughs> did we all three go on that one i think we did didn't we uh i've only done one question so far but i can't remember who's next Me as anyway. well i think i'm next i don't know i'm gonna go next how about that there you um go. one from dave walonsky or walansky how many pins have you destroyed on the final <laughs> step the fine final step well say <laughs> say um are we shaping or I think buffing? I think the <laughs> best the best way to go with that would be shaping probably because I have destroyed a cap while buffing and that's why I now have you know that insulated that pipe insulator yeah the foam I took it and put it over the waves of my buffing lathe and and uh, zip tied it on there so now there's no more sharp edge for it to hit it mm-hmm. it's out of my hand it it has that buffer there or that bumper there but there have been um there was one specifically. And it actually led me to having to buy a new brass mandrel. <laughs> I I had, what was this like three years ago? I yeah, know you know about it because yeah. I think I called you immediately. <laughs> yes. So I, so I emailed Jim Hines. I was like, Hey, do you have any more, you know, body mandrels just laying around? I need one. I bent one. And the next question was, how in the hell did you do that? <laughs> and I'm like, I can't be the first person to ever bend a brass body mandrel. Um, and I was turning down a body and it was almost, it was fully shaped. I was just, and I was like, you know what? I just want to touch it one more time. One more pass. It's the, it's the brass nut theory. You just want to give it that quarter turn just to make sure it's tight. And then the whole damn thing snaps off and it, 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 the tool bit. And it shattered, and I literally just took my tool and hammered straight down on it. I was pissed. <laughs> oh, man. That's how I've been a brass mandrel. Um, but, yeah, and, and there's been a couple. You know, the only, and I'm knocking on wood here. Um, I've, I haven't shattered a section yet, hmm. but I've shattered caps and bodies. So, yes, <laughs> Dave, my answer to that question is several. <laughs> it usually happens when it's the only piece of that material you have left. Always. Yeah, definitely. What about y'all? Um I mean, I say it's been a while since that's happened. Especially early on. You know, the, you till I got better at the sections, I would break those things off pretty consistently. Um Yeah. 
And then a couple of times drilling too far into either mostly the cap and then you go part it off and now there's a hole on the end of it. <laughs> so that was just, you know, me being stupid and not measuring twice, cutting once. Um, but I say it's been a while. Mostly, I think. I've been, I guess my not really destroying the pens, but I've had a couple instances where I was turning one of my materials and you get down and there's just so many holes and air bubbles that it's like, well, there's no point in even trying. Or I had yeah. a couple that um, I had too much uh, pigment in the resin, so it couldn't get mixed and cured properly. So like mm-hmm. either the A or the B side never got fully mixed. And so it's this, this goopy pocket of resin that's just never going to cure. And then at that point, it's like, well, okay, I'll start over. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've had a lot of that in the last year, I guess, just figuring out what my limits are, Um, especially being you in Texas with the heat and everything. Like my garage isn't conditioned. So what's my threshold for getting the resin in the pot that it's going to cure and not be (laughs) a mess? Yeah. Yeah, So I've actually... This, well, it's not, it's winter, but it's not really super cold here, but <laughs> I've taken advantage of the colder temperatures and been trying different things, holding out a little bit longer for mixing stuff to see what the patterns do, because I can, and it's not 110 degrees. Right. And you know, your 12 minutes goes down to like five. <laughs> One thing you, uh, I don't, if you've got space in the garage, you can always get a uh, a refrigerator and keep the resin inside of that. Well, I actually store it in the house anyway. Okay. Okay. So it's usually somewhere between you know, give or take 70 or 73 degrees. Okay. So yeah, that's op- that's optimal. Yeah. So it's been fine. So I've had more of that lately than, and I say more probably four or five times, not very okay. often, um, but not so much the shattering and gnashing of teeth and throwing of tools. I'm going to say the... M- the most you're on mute. Sorry, we didn't get to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Bad language as well. Uh, but yeah, the uh for me, I have a turning by hand. It's been a long time since I've broken anything. Uh I think I had one time I was turning a body on the wood lathe and for whatever reason uh i was getting some chatter and so i unlocked the tailstock to tighten it up a little bit and the force of me tightening the tailstock pushed too too hard up into the uh onto the mandrel and it cracked the uh the threads that'll happen on the on the on the pen not the mandrel uh that's that happened gosh a year or so ago since then i haven't it's been a long time since before that but on the cnc i have gone through quite a bit of material (laughs) uh (laughs) learning and for me it's mostly the the math of it all yeah when it comes to the programming especially uh, uh working on a model that has a clip because you have to think in it's kind of like chess. You have to think ten steps ahead, but also through 
all the different processes that it's going to take to achieve your goal. And for me to do a pen with a clip, the cap has to go through one, two, three, four separate processes to be made. Now, I'm sorry, five, counting the finial. Um, because the, the finials made, uh, or the the lower half, the finial th- with the threads and internal bore is one process that gets parted off, and then your cap. You can start on either side, the finial side or the 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 main opening. Do all your bores and threading. Then you have to flip it. Do the bores and threading on that side and the clip relief. Then you thread in. Uh, the finial mounted and shaped the whole thing. <laughs> and if it gets the medallion, then that's a whole another process that it has Jeez. to go through. So, I mean, it's pretty multifaceted. <laughs> yes. There's a uh, definitely diff- so many different facets to the uh, process with the cap of the clip anyway, and, and the medallion. But if it's just a standard cap, no clip, it's two processes. It's easy, hmm. easily, uh, easily pulled off. But when learning where where all your parts are going to be in space in terms of your X and Z axis and your tooling, there's a lot of math involved as far as okay. Well, if I'm you try to start at uh, at zero each time. Mm-hmm. But sometimes mm-hmm. on a longer pin, you're on the positive side of that. And you have to remember that just because you go to zero doesn't mean you're done. You then you you then have to calculate into the negative. And it's once you get your head wrapped around it, it's pretty quick and pretty easy to duplicate. But when you're starting it from the ground up, it's a little daunting at first. I think I'll <laughs> just keep destroying things by hand. I, I do lose that joy of <laughs> manually breaking things. Yeah. Because um, I don't get to do that as much. I'll, there's still a few few pro, few steps along the way that I could program to the CNC, but uh, I do miss the hand working of it. So I'll I'll leave out a couple processes and I'll do those manually on the on the wood lathe just because the runtime per piece is so long. I have time to do other things. So why not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Um, so there you go, Dave. Yeah. There's your answer. Walaski. So I, I don't know if it's whose turn is supposed to be, but I want to go next. If that's you've only asked one so far, good. I believe. Yeah. Cause they have only done the, only done the first one. And, uh, I'm going to go, let's see, we'll, we're going to stay on the Kevin Zog train because I've got, this is a, a, a three Well, there were only like 65 questions that he submitted. Yeah. So. Well, I'm going to, uh, this one is, it's three separate questions, but they're all so close to one another. The, it's, it's so easy to lump them, lump them all into one question or one approach. And it is, do bespoke makers ever really make whirler balls and ballpoint pens followed up with, how would you incorporate a click mechanism into a ballpoint design? 
And when it comes to the roller balls, do you put a spring behind the refill or do you try to get it to an exact uh, setting? Uh, so as far as do bespoke makers actually make them? Yes. Yes. Do we typically make them for shows? No. Uh, sometimes it's a one-off, you know, commission type base, or you have a friend that you would like to make something for like, uh, I'm, I'm going to yeah. Yeah, I'm going I'm to use my dad for an example, because this is, uh, uh, I'll, I'll try to keep it brief. So my dad is a maintenance supervisor for a chemical company in Augusta, Georgia, by the name of Solvay. Now, he's worked there for 30 plus years. I've always known that he works, he's a maintenance supervisor at a chemical plant. But until recently, I never actually knew what they made. Okay. <laughs> and, and what my dad's role is in a lot of things. Um, so we got to talking because he was helping me install the new lights in the CNC one night. And so we were just talking and I was like, okay, I know the company makes medical grade plastics. And like, there's a bunch of that type of stuff that's being used today in the making of pens. Uh, Ultim being the most popular. Mm -hmm. And then uh, another one's called Peak. Yeah. And so I was like, so what what uh what plastics does your company actually make? And he's like, well, we make the base of the plastics that other companies turn into the medical grade plastics. Um, mm. And it turns out that his company works with the company that makes peak plastic. Oh, cool. Interesting. Yeah. I thought that was like, Oh hell I never, I wish I would have known this. So, bef uh, jump back to November. I find, uh, I found Ultim online pretty easily. Then I found the Peak Plastic um, online. Bought a couple rods of each. And my goal was to make my dad a rollerball for Christmas. Because uh, I know he doesn't use a fountain pen. Uh, but I just got him in like three or four days ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently... Apparently, the U.S.-based company ships directly from China. <laughs> so it, it, came, it came in a roundabout fashion. Yeah. Uh, without my knowledge of how that was going to play out. But anyway, I've got it. So my goal is to make my dad a rollerball uh, here shortly. And as far as the, the spring behind the refill... I, I look at it in two different ways. One is a lot of it is dependent on what refill you want to use in the first place. Mm -hmm. there, are, yeah. there, there are some that, uh, you know, cause not all refills are measure are the exact same size. Uh, right. Knowing my dad's preferences, I'm going to go with a pilot G2. Pretty standard. Yeah. Standard refill. It, they they're a workhorse, and I know he knows how to find more of them. You can always just steal one out of a pen that's laying around if you need to. Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't have to worry about ordering a bunch of specialty refills for him to keep track of and 
put into the pen as needed. I'm making it as foolproof as, as I possibly can because uh, I want him to actually use this uh, specifically at work and just kind of you know use it as a showpiece. So because of that, I probably will utilize a spring, but I'm going to make it to where that spring is fully compressed uh, when everything is uh, locked down because I don't want any play in the pen. I know most people, most pen makers are used to seeing springs because of the kit pen uh, industry and all the reef, all the roller balls would always come with a spring. And I think that's mainly because you have your components, they get pressed into the brass tube, but those brass tubes have to be shaved down and faced off and you're going to lose stock with that. And I think it's their way of compensating for how much material loss you might get with each, each person, right? Each individual maker. So I think that's why we were used to seeing springs on the backs of refills. I'm going to do the same thing only because it's also going to give me a little bit more length in the material itself. Cause I'm, I'm going to use a, uh, um, a custom spring that I found online that I really enjoy. And it does a really good job of cradling the refill and I can do it in such a way. It's not going to come shooting out as soon as the, uh, <laughs> the pen gets opened up. <laughs> and then as far yeah. as the click mechanisms are concerned, uh, for simplicity's sake, we're going to go, we're just going to talk about, uh, I'm just going to talk about the, the Schmidt, uh, one that threads in. And as far as that one is concerned, it's again, going to be based off of whatever refill you want to make. And those click mechanisms are threaded in. So it's obviously going to be threaded in at the, you know, the top end of your ballpoint. And you're gonna, you're gonna kind of have to measure out the bulk, the, the ballpoint refill and the click mechanism while engaged and disengaged to make sure that your tip, the tip of the uh, refill doesn't stick out too far, nor not mm -hmm. far enough and is tucked up inside the nose cone when not in use because ballpoint ink will wick out if it touches cloth. Yep. Um, I had, I saw a bunch of people, find that out the hard way at a pen show. Uh, there was a, a particular company that was selling, uh, had a show special ballpoint that sold out and um, it came with a cloth pen sleeve. And there were so many people that had ink stained pen sleeves by the end of the show, because mm -hmm. the, some of the loose fibers on the inside of the sleeve were touching that refill. Oh, and, it was wick, and it wicked all the ink <laughs> out of it. So that's the you know yeah. all things you have to keep in mind. Plus, when you engage the click mechanism, it needs to protrude well beyond its resting spot because it's going to drop back down. Yeah. So it's it's a lot of the put everything together, click it, see where see what happens, and adjust the length of every the length of the barrel as needed. Yeah. Until it until it 
until it works as one big clunky thing. And then you turn it down to whatever shape you want. Mm-hmm. And, you know, theoretically, rollerballs and boy ball points especially with the click mechanism and all that stuff should be just more expensive <laughs> the engineering that goes into them <laughs> yeah and the design work that goes into them i mean i make my own ball points and rollerballs i have my own design nose cone and section and all that stuff and when i make the one that i like to make i get so annoyed with it i don't ever want to make any more <laughs> um yep. you know i like the one that looks like a fountain pen section with the nose cone on it and yeah. it makes it so incredibly difficult to sand mm-hmm. that the last few I've made, I've just gone back to a like a bullet shaped nose cone coming out of the section thread or the body threads, and it, it just makes it way easier to sand. Um, I do not use a spring unless I screw it up. That's what I also meant to say. Yeah, yeah the spring. You can always shoot for the using the refill with no spring, and then if you accidentally drill too deep, too deep. Just throw a spring in there. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's when I add a spring because I like mine to be exact. Um, you know, and and that's that's the way I like it to be. And so uh I do use a spring if I've drilled just a you know, just that little bit too deep there. I haven't started using click mechanisms yet. I'm going to once I figure out how to do the math on it, and you just gave me the way to do the math on it. So <laughs> <Yeah>. um <laughs> my my thoughts on the click mechanisms, if Schmidt makes them Already, why do I need to reinvent one? In my opinion, they're already pre-threaded. They're silent. They don't have that big donk right sound to it. So it's just a it's a good unit. Um, a lot of a lot of uh, like EDC pin making companies they do roller balls and I'm sorry uh, ball points. They use that click mechanism. Yeah. The only the only downside to it to me is that it's nickel plated. Mm. And so it clashes with all the chrome plated, like if you have a clip or nose cone, the the colors clash just a little bit enough to annoy me. <laughs> Sorry, I'm writing something down. I <laughs> didn't didn't get to respond there. Um, yeah, <laughs> the uh, when you're adding more mechanical things into a very non-mechanical thing (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean because you can make a very simple one just drill a hole in it and put a you know just like we do with the fountain pens you drill a hole in the body you drill a hole in the section and you put an insert in there and the more the more complicated you want to make it the more complicated it is going to (laughs) be yeah i will say when it comes to the drill bits obviously it's always going to be refill refill dependent. Yeah. But my count, uh, measure out the, the refill diameter, specifically the, you know, the metal part of the very end that's going to stick out of your nose cone. So, you know, cause you want to drill your nose cone. If you're making it yourself to be as tight of a tolerance as humanly possible. Cause Anybody that is a, I'll say, a connoisseur of ballpoints and rollerballs, they don't want to hear that clicking mm-hmm. of the refill against the side of the nose cone. So you might want to invest in, uh, I think they're called, what are they called? Uh, wire bits. Or Yeah, I just use really small metric drills. And and I have, I think. Oh, the wire size. Least, yeah. Wire size. Thank the you, gauges. Yeah. I think below four millimeter i think i have like 
from one to four in point one steps all the way up. Okay. That's what I use. Um, am I the only weirdo that uses like four bits to make the nose cone for a rollerball? Uh, no, I use at least two, one for the max diameter and one for the minimum diameter. Cause I do. Cause the, the, the G2 has the barrel diameter. Then it's got one, two, three steps after that. I drill all three yeah. of those steps. And I, am I the only weirdo that does that? <laughs> probably, probably not. not. <laughs> no, 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 I said probably not. And he's like, <laughs> probably. Yeah, probably so. Uh, it's just, just it's really important that you tailor it for that particular. Is, and, and the reason I do that is to stop that slap of the insert against the, mm-hmm. the material inside the pin. Yeah. Because if I do make the, the very last or the smallest diameter for the, for the actual tip too big, those other diameters will help to stop that slap. So it's kind sure. of a redundancy True. in my opinion. And plus I just like being tedious and ridiculous. So. <laughs> Don't we all? There you go. Yeah. So wow. yes, we make them. Yeah, might not always make them. Well, you them guys do. I don't make them. Right. I, I did it once. That. I did it once, and I didn't like it, so I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. For all of those reasons, y'all just discussed on what you have to do, and I'm like, no. Nope, See, that just means you're able to learn. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> You learn what you don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of oh, things. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, looking at the clock, I think we got time for one more, maybe. One more each or one more total? Probably, <laughs> probably one more total. <laughs> My last one is only for me and Brooke, so maybe somebody has one for all three of us. I'm, I'm okay with that. Okay. <clears throat> Well, let Jason do that one, and then if if we get through the, I'll I'll be brief as I can. I know I know I go a little long winded at times. This one might, but <laughs> how do you decide colors? Who let me say this one's from Kin Chan Crafts. How do you decide colors to mix and names for each blank? I don't. <laughs> I I buy them from other people. <laughs> he buys them from us. Boom! Drops mic, walks away. <laughs> Well, that thanks for the show, guys. It was great. Yeah, yeah. It's been, it's been fun hanging out. <laughs> Looking forward to the next time. Yeah. Uh, for me, <clears throat> the colors is whatever I have in my drawer. So it's pretty easy. <laughs> um, I have, gosh, probably not as much as Brooks, but I have, I don't know, 40 or 50 colors that I cycle through. Um, and then that's cute. Yeah, no. <laughs> I well, I stopped buying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, what's with the drive-by, dude? <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> hey, it's a lot to me. <laughs> My drawer's full, so I don't know where else to put them. I haven't bought any. I was thinking of buying a whole Harbor Freight tool chest just for Micah and fill it up, but that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, if they weren't so dang expensive. Right. They got your Harbor way Freight more expensive. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So my cute collection of 40 <laughs> or 50 colors. Um next thing I'll tell you, I'm glitter too, right? <laughs> oh, <that's... laughs> 
Them's fighting words. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just decide based on whatever, obviously, I'm trying to mix whatever colors I have. Or if I buy a few more, I do that. But uh, names for blanks, um, I don't know. I don't have really magic process to it other than a lot of my blanks are based on nature and things like that of things I've seen. And so they're usually tied to that. Um, so it's not very creative, I guess, but let's you name them after the inspirations. Yeah, that's a good point. So whatever inspired it, that's generally what the name is tied to. <laughs> okay. Master. <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as picking colors, there's, it's endless over here. I how mean, many? How many do you think you have? Just ballpark. I'm curious. Just by what I can see by turning left. Uh, this is not even counting what's on the racks behind me. I easily have about 200 jars of different color mica powders just right here beside me. Okay, well that's less than I was going for. I figured like three or four hundred. Well, that's it's just enough that if that's you just, oh, that's just right not. there. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, that's just what's right there. If we count what's on the racks back there, easily, you know, four or five hundred different Jeez. colors. It's enough to where you walk in the shop and you see it and you're like, I don't want to cast anything. Ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's it's, the best part, though, is having endless colors for every single shade you might need. The downside is when you finally get around to using like the oldest ones that company doesn't exist anymore and you Oof. only have a finite amount of it. So then you're right. kind of really up the Creek as far as using, do I really want to use it or not? Because who knows if I come up with the next greatest material and then all of a sudden I can only make 25 of them. So that's thousand dollars a blank. That's the down. <laughs> that's the, there's that thousand dollar pen for Brad. Hey, Hey, that's the idea. There you go. <laughs> So I I get more. So with all the colors I have sitting out here, like I have one table that's just it's got jars stacked on mm. you know five six I, and half of them across. don't have like labels or anything on. No, them. these just have like these are jars. actually labeled. No, no, these are these are actually labeled. <laughs> oh, okay. The, one, the 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 random jars those are on rolling racks, still over here, but not like visibly out. And these I'll pick up and I'll shift things around. And it's kind of like, you know, as I'm stacking colors up, I'll get I'll get a, a quick visual of like four different colors side by side that I never might have thought of on my own. So that'll be like, oh, I like the way those four look, you know, it's just dry powder. Let's pull those over here and I'll throw them together. Right. And, you know, that's not even counting. Well, my background's blurred out. You can't see anything I'm pointing at. <laughs> Um, and then directly behind me is a rolling rack full of dyes and solid pigments. Oh my goodness. Or solid color pigments with no mica in them. And that just adds so many different facets to what you can, can make. <laughs> so a lot of times when it comes to the, the older colors, cause I buy stuff by the, by the pound nowadays, that way I've got enough to last. I can make a hundred rods of something from a pound of mica powder, give or take. Um, so I'll, I'll keep all those empty jars. And what I'll do with a lot of the really old micas that I have that I know the company doesn't exist is I'll take a lot of them and pour them all together and make 
a whole pound of just custom color. Mm-hmm. And then I'll use that up for a recipe or for, you know, a collaboration with a company. And I'm like, Hey, you want an exclusive? This is going to be the one. Cause I, that's something I generally don't offer is a true exclusive, but if it was a color, I know I can't make ever again, then that's one, one way around all that. You have like Frankenmicas. Yeah. Yeah. Frankenmicas. And I mean, I've come, I've got some really cool combinations from it all. But again, I can't duplicate them. Right. Yeah. You know, I'll write down what I, I always write down what made it. But if I can't get it ever again, I can get close. But, but anyway, so yeah, as far as that, that side of the question, yeah, there's a lot. As far as naming the materials themselves, I go about it a few different ways. Sometimes I'll let, so if a customer has a request for colors, I'll let them name it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have to, I have to approve it, so to speak. You know, it can't be something super silly or super <laughs> vulgar, we'll call it. Yeah. Um, or it can't be something that I know is a material that another maker has already used like uh somebody keeps wanting me to make unicorn poop yeah because i have so many of the other unicorn base colors i'm like can't do unicorn poop that's a a diamond cast material well Mm -hmm. you definitely don't want to copy anybody yeah exactly i I, not knowingly i mean there's always some uh (laughs) potential for not knowing because i don't i don't go on everybody's product pages and well, no, you don't want to do it purposefully. Yes. Yeah. With intent. Um, I mean, some sometimes I want to play around with uh, mimicking, is it, who is it? Stormwind blanks. They come up with like the, 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 the longest names ever, like Snowy Autumn, Mozart B flat minor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Standing outside a broken phone booth with money in my hand. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. I mean, yeah. I like it. I, I like that kind of naming convention, but you know, if I started using it, it wouldn't, you know, it would just be me copying what somebody else is doing. So I, I don't mm-hmm. do that. So if I, I always tell people, if I get to name it, I'm naming it something weird. I'm going to go a little <laughs> off. I've heard some of the names that you had for stuff <laughs> to that were not privy, you know, that didn't make it yeah. public. Yeah, yeah, there there are some things that I call it that are on my note cards written down as something else. Yeah, Brooks can um, be a deeply disturbed and troubled person at times, <laughs> I think. Um, so, sometimes, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, and uh, one f- a fun way that I'll come up with a name is I'm constantly playing music in here while I'm working. And if I'm making a new material, there's always a song on and I'll listen to the, you know, I generally don't deep dive on lyrics to songs, but if uh, there's a certain song playing while I'm making material, I'll pay attention to it a little bit closer than I normally would. And I might pull the name out of the lyric of the song. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Good and good. And Brad put into the chat, uh, good intentions is uh is a is a good example of that um because the lyric was the road to hell was paved with good intentions or something to that effect and i wasn't going to call the name of the blank the road to hell 
<laughs> Good but choice. I, but I also have, you know, and Jason, you know, this as well as I do now, when you've made a blank one way, you can now just change one color out of that combination and it makes a completely different yeah. you know, co- cohesive part of that right. series. So I have good intentions. I have bad intentions. I just made one I'm calling dark intentions. Nice. So, you know, Tents the name purposes. No. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, uh, you know, a whole plethora of ways you can name things. But like I said, if I get to name it, I'm naming it something weird, something a little uh, tongue in cheek. Well, and and I'm sure that picking the colors or, you know, combinations kind of go like the way, you know, a pin maker might choose to combine several different colors on a pin. You know, like I would just pull my drawer of blanks out and be like, uh, you know, I hadn't seen that one in a while. And it, you like you were yeah. saying, kind of just jumps out at you. Good info, though. I yeah. like I say, don't cast, don't plan to. <laughs> <laughs> you, you people will just have to be one of my financial burdens for the eternity of my pen making, and uh, that'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I can live with that. It'll <laughs> work. I'm gonna save my final question for the next episode. Okay, I'm gonna circle it in my little notebook here. Thank goodness Jonathan got us these notebooks because now <laughs> they're so they're they're just perfect for uh this purpose. I've got the Secret Santa twenty twenty two list in the back of mine still. Yeah. Oh for <laughs> yeah, I just I just found it. Wow. So uh yeah, another good round of uh questions. Indeed. And again, thank you to the yes. folks that that um, inundated us with a plethora of of questions. We do appreciate it. It's given us show material for, <laughs> for, <laughs> very for quite a, time. a very least, long time. At least for the foreseeable future. Um, yeah, because, I mean, we can always incorporate a question or two into every episode, even the interview right. episodes. We can always tailor a question to the whoever the guest may be. Of course. Um, let me check on one thing. We we still we're gonna draw our winners for our contest on the show here in just a minute. Okay. Giveaway that we had uh, posted. I just have to check a. Check Is this a the 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 t shirt giveaway? T shirt and materials. I think we have a t shirt to give away and three pin blanks to give away. Awesome. Just have to check on one thing here. Talk amongst yourselves. Check away. Check away. We'll tell you what. I, since this is one I can do fairly quickly. It's a uh, this is a question from Barrel and Nib. Uh, we had already covered half of it. They were asking good places to buy clips and or metal rings, or do most people make them? Uh, we've already gone over the clips with Buford Inc. And when it comes to metal rings, that's something I think everybody kind of has to do themselves. Yeah, I, I don't know of a vendor that uh, offers those anymore. And unfortunately, that's something you definitely need a metal lathe to accomplish. But it's a very simple process. Once you have it, uh, you just 
face off your material, drill it to the di- to the, the drill and bore to the inside diameter you need, and then just gently part it off and just catch the rings as they fall. And uh, let them cool, sand them flat on the part side, and incorporate them into your pins. Done. Done. It's just like that. It's that easy. <laughs> Super easy. No work at all. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah, the clip thing, I'm trying to figure out doing my own. I'm like tallying up all the tools and everything. I'm like, maybe that's something for next year. <laughs> all right. Are y'all ready to reward listeners here? Yeah. Go for it. Yeah, they get t-shirts okay. before we do. <laughs> Mine was Seriously, a- I know. I saw you wearing that shirt. It's like you're mocking us or something. Right. See, mine was a gift. Rude. It wasn't like I was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm one of the OG guys, and I don't even. Mine, I didn't even have it made. Good. It wasn't. Uh huh. Sure. I'm like I'm like third wheel OG, and I don't. It even wasn't have me. One. Seriously, <laughs> it was the one armed man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we have our list of entries into our giveaway. Um, and I have brought up a random.org page. We had 54 total people enter. Awesome. Do the and share screen. Cause I like to watch the wheel spin. I want to see Darren win. Oh, I didn't want to do the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> the wheel just takes too long. Oh, okay. You do so, like just the random number. Yeah. Random random.org is just a random number generator. Oh, okay. And, gotcha. uh, I will, I put in 54. I'm going to give it a couple of refreshes here. That's what we do in the metals world. We make sure we do like three refreshes before you do it. All right. Uh, 54. Our first number. This is going to be for the t-shirt. They'll get one before y'all do. <laughs> right. We'll have to, re- we'll have to rectify that situation. Um, And for the t-shirt, let's see. We'll pick the number here and number four on our list. Leviathan Pinworks. Levi. Hey, hey, Levi. Winner awesome. of a t-shirt. Winner of an As the Pen Turns t-shirt. Winner of one of our blanks. Let's see here. Do, do, do. Number 50, WB Kelly. Uh, screen name WB Kelly. I can't look that up right now. So <laughs> um, look that up here in a minute. Number three winner here. Another piece of material to make a pen out of. Number 12. Divine Pins Plus. Oh, Divine Pin Plus. So Bra- Braxton. Braxton. I, should we just draw somebody else since he makes his own stuff or we're not going to put him through that kind of torture? <laughs> no, no. I'll <laughs> no, send him one a... of his own materials. How about there that? There you go. <laughs> oh, man. Burn. Well, I was going to say, he does use other materials. He's not like right. me. He's not a snob. Right. You're not. You're, he's not a snob. <laughs> well, you're going to come in here the same way now. So. <laughs> and our final, our final number here, number 15. Two Pillar Studios. Let me look up real quick who that is. Two Pillar uh Josh and Miranda Sp- Spachala. I'm going to Spachala, Spachala, S-P-Y-C-H-A-L-L-A. I'm going to butcher that. Spachoya. Like a- <laughs> Spachoya. Yeah. Um, so they are winners of another one of our uh, pieces of material. So we're going to make a post about it and everything. And um, what we'll do is we'll just need you to send us your shipping information. Levi, I think I've got yours still from uh, Secret Santa stuff. Uh, so just send us shipping information and we will get those prizes out to you. The t-shirt's going to take a few days because obviously we have to order it. Um, you, 
send us your t-shirt size. There you go, Levi. Send us your t-shirt size. Yeah. And we will get you that. Um, I'm not going to ask you for your t-shirt sizes because, you know, whatever. <laughs> Mine was a gift. Oh, my God. We just work here. That's all that matters. Oh, my God. Yeah. We just give the swag. We don't get the swag. Mine was a gift. Ugh. <laughs> oh, you people. <laughs> anyway, um, another great, another great question and answer session down. I think we're we're probably going to go into. I'm thinking what maybe March or April with these sessions because I want to get some of these questions answered because some of them are great questions. We got to you know with with good information to get out to the community. Well, and some of them we should really peg for a whole episode. And yeah, some of those are couple, really yeah. in depth. Yeah, uh, a lot of the marketing ones, the Arushi. So when we do the yeah. Arushi one, you and I can take off, Brad, and yeah, we're just going to take a day off. I mean, take the night off. <laughs> I could probably pull it off. I mean, if y'all want to, y'all just let me know what days y'all are out of town. I'm just going to send you a message. Say, Jonathan, you're talking to yourself tonight. <laughs> Wouldn't be any different than any other night. <laughs> So congratulations to our winners. One thing I did want to mention before we get off here tonight, uh, our sponsorships. We do still have a sponsorship uh, program. Uh, the the I think the information is on our website. Uh, you can buy half an episode, full episode. Basically, you would get a mention at the beginning and at the end of the episode if you bought the whole ex- episode. Uh, we can have up to two sponsors per episode. There's some information on the website about that. Uh, if you want to get... Name out there in the number one podcast on the planet. This is the place to do it. <laughs> There's no other. <laughs> yes. This is the place to do it. So uh, if you have any questions about that, check out our website. You can email us there. Our membership program is still We're still tweaking some of that stuff. We've got some things almost ready for our members. They should be ready in the next yes. coming months. Um, a little thank you for all our members. And, uh, you know, the memberships are great. would like to make a donation, a monthly donation to the podcast to help keep us running. Uh, there are some expenses that come along with the, with the podcast that, you know, we kind of foot the bill for. So that really helps out and keeps us going and keeps the podcast running. And we appreciate that. Always resource page. Uh, we mentioned this during the secret Santa the other day, but if you have not been listed on our resource page, as of yes, send us an email at the pen turns at gmail.com and we'll get you listed on our resource page. We want to be a compendium. We want to be the most exhaustive list of resources for the pen making world. And we're quickly on our way to being there. So if you're not listed on there, send us an email. We'll get you listed as soon as we can. Y'all have anything else? Pen, pen, podcast related <laughs> could, could have put it better myself no oh, well you know so um yeah so let's do the thing jonathan where can we find anything that we might from you? anything and everything regarding me is can be found at carolinapincompany.com and carolina pin company on all the social medias which is just instagram <laughs> right you got a secret tiktok channel but yeah oh that's right yeah i forgot i do have that i need to put stuff on there do you really a... yeah i do actually have oh that. that's funny he just did it for all the challenges that's all there you go yeah. jason what about you 
You can find all my stuff at jasonneilpenworks.com and Instagram as well, jasonneilpenworks. And jasonneilpenworks at Gmail if you have any questions. There you not go. Brooks, not Jason at jasonneilpenworks. That does not exist. <laughs> yeah. That Sorry about that. I, I was going up for old podcast information. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know where you got it because I've never had that email. <laughs> that was on stuff up. But no, I pulled up your your, uh, your info on uh, PayPal, and that was the email that was listed. Really, really? Oh wow! I don't. Maybe I did for a while, and I got tired of paying for it. I don't yeah, know. right. Well, that's not the email anymore. But, <laughs> oh well, it's okay. We Perks. got it now. We got it. If if you're interested in anything from the Mythic Pen, I mean, MythicPens.com. Info, info at mythicpens.com is the email address to get in touch with me. I try to check my email monthly. Um, so, you know, it's supposed to be a joke, fellas. Y'all know how it goes. Jonathan, you know how that goes as well. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Hey, I was like, no, that makes sense to me. <laughs> I was going to say, wow, that's often. I expected y'all to look at me, you know? Okay. So, oh, man. So that's another than me. Uh, Another one in the books, if you will, from everybody here at the As the Pen Turns podcast. I'm Brad. I'm Jason. I'm Jonathan. (laughs) Everybody have a great next uh, couple of weeks until the next episode comes out. Man, yeah, we nailed it on that one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)